Our speaker tonight is a person that is known to us first for her many appearances on the screen in television, secondly from her, for, from her Oscar-winning performance in All the King's Men, and finally for her work in the field of alcoholism. This year, our speaker has served as honorary chairman of the National Council on Alcoholism. She has given much of her time and energy in appearances before groups such as this throughout our nation. Additionally, our speaker appeared before the United States Senate Committee studying the Hughes Bill and testified for this landmark legislation which passed with a $300 million appropriation. I am honored to present to you Ms. Mercedes, who will speak on the subject, Who is an Alcoholic? Ms. Mercedes. Thank you very much. Lest you think that I change my first name to accommodate the city in which I am at the moment, my first name really is Charlotte. What is an alcoholic? I is an alcoholic. Having made that statement, that's the most important thing I will say. I am glad I am what I am. Very few people enjoy the luxury of making that statement on this trip of life. I am glad I am what I am. I am at home in the human race. My disease is alcoholism. I quote Senator Hughes, alcoholism is the only disease where the patient is blamed when the treatment fails. And that's why I am here. Perhaps by standing here and being something other than a blithering idiot, an object of a very questionable emotion in my mind. Pity, I believe, is a superior emotion. I believe that compassion is admirable. Pity, pity precludes that someone sets himself above the object to be pitied. Pity me not, huh? At the outset. Save your pity. It will not be accepted here by me. On any other grounds you may judge me as you will, but as a person with a disease you will not judge me because I will not accept your censure. I would question the motive behind it. The finger that points at me 
because my disease is alcoholism, has three fingers pointed back at the person who was doing the pointing. And that is that person's problem, not mine. Because I am in the profession I am in, people are likely to think that I uh, dramatize things, that I present things larger than life. That's what art is all about. So in order to protect myself from that kind of judgment, I will quote from time to time from other people, from highly reputable authorities who are anything but emotional. The National Council on Alcoholism, people in medicine and in government involved in the field of alcoholism, Blue Shield, which is hardly likely to be emotional or exaggerated about this disease. The National Council on Alcoholism says the alcoholic is a person who is powerless to stop drinking and whose drinking seriously alters his normal living pattern. Most people think of us, alcoholics, as derelicts found on Skid Row, or the alcoholic is someone who can be classified as a ne'er-do-well with little willpower, no moral fiber. I'm quoting now, actually, actually, the typical alcoholic today has been identified as a bright middle management executive in his or her thirties, married and living with his family in a nice neighborhood. Dr. Ruth Fox, who is an eminent and prominent and devoted psychiatrist in the field, says only 3% of the total alcoholic population of this country is on skid row. Most persons suffering from my disease are found in homes and offices and places of business and in every walk of life. My disease attacks without regard to social standing, to occupation, to intelligence, education, national origin, color, or race. A small percentage of us have an underlying psychosis, and many have some kind of emotional disturbance. However, in the main, we are not noticeably different from the rest of you, except in our addiction to alcohol, to a drug which you ingest regularly 
but which not does does not affect you in the same way. Alcoholism is a biochemical disease which visits one out of every nine adults in this country. Think of that at your next cocktail party. Eight of you will drink happily and put lampshades on your head and insult the hostess and maybe even kill someone on your way home. But the ninth of you is an alcoholic and is deathly sick, doing the same thing you are doing and getting away with. We have no corner on the neurosis market. The man who saved my life is Dr. Stanley Gitlow in New York, who has devoted most of his practice now to the study of my disease. And on a panel in New York, Dr. Gitlow was asked by some marvelously sanctified individual, do you mean, Dr. Gitlow, that a perfectly normal, well-adjusted human being could become an alcoholic? And Dr. Gitlow said, I cannot answer that question. I have never met a perfectly normal, well-adjusted human being. So often the rest of society stares at the suffering alcoholic who is trying to behave normally under anesthesia and society watches him drag his stumbling clay feet while society is standing knee-deep in mud with theirs. Senator Hughes says that it is the microscope society has trained on the alcoholic for too long. I, as an alcoholic, ask you, please, get off our backs. Don't judge us as less than you. If you do not accept the concept that this is a disease, it would seem to me, from a prejudice viewpoint granted, that you have some more homework to do. The American Medical Association says my disease is the third largest killer in our country after only heart and cancer. The Department of Health, Education, and Welfare calls alcoholism America's number one neglected health problem. Dr. Menninger said, if alcoholism were a contagious disease, there would be panic in the streets. The drug of alcohol, the socially accepted killer, 
causes 25 times as much trouble as all the other drugs combined. But the other drugs, not alcohol and drugs, the other drugs than alcohol are newer, they're chic, they sell papers, they elect politicians, they are provocative on the news. They are new, and we are a fickle society, we Americans. Alcohol is the drug of choice of young people. A woman I met today, of whom I am already very fond, says that the teenage problem here in your community with alcohol is very severe. One hears this all over the country. Harvard on the East Coast, I quote now, not quote, but paraphrase a story from the New York Times. Harvard on the East Coast, Berkeley on the West Coast, always the pace setters on the American campus scene. Their security police say that the jugs found after any given weekend on those campuses is overwhelming. The young people are drinking sweet wine and smoking marijuana combined in order to bomb out. In England, the British Council on Alcoholism gives us a figure. And in England, it's always first with the music, the mod scene, the clothes, the Carnaby Street, the dope scene, all there first before it came here. And alcoholic deaths among teenagers are up 15 to 20 percent. So we are not talking about a middle-aged disease, and yet half the alcoholics in this country are women in or approaching or going out the other side of middle age. One out of every five beds in our veterans' hospitals holds an alcoholic body. Thirty to sixty percent of all the hospital beds in this town hold alcoholic bodies. Admitted for nice, polite diagnosis. And the higher the accommodation in the hospital, the more expensive the facility, the corner suite with the color television set, and the long-stemmed roses, the more exclusive the room, the higher the incidence of women. Among clergymen, alcoholism rampant. Among the medical profession, the psychiatric profession, among nurses, airline pilots, educators, there is not a profession that is not riddled with people who have my disease. And yet in city after city, I am shortly after I get here exposed to the media. And there will always be the fervent member of the press who will ask the questions with the wide-eyed look, 
which indicate to me that I am some strange monster from another planet. <laughs> I cannot believe that I alone, along with Senator Harold Hughes, who are the only two people who have been willing to declare at a national level that we are recovered alcoholics, I cannot believe that we too comprise the total of perhaps 12 to 15 million people. And yet, over and over, I am looked at with some air of disbelief. Look at that. Strange malady. Walking among us. In the recent 1970 census figures, I'll quote the figures, one-third of all divorces in this country are caused by alcoholism listed as the primary factor. Two-thirds, no, 50% of the remaining two-thirds of divorces in this country list alcoholism as a secondary factor. Hmm? And in case after case, and this is why I am here, in case after case the non-alcoholic spouse, once the marriage has been dissolved, turns around and marries another alcoholic. Now, who is sick? <laughs> the alcoholic spouse, in the wreckage of his physical system, has now come to a place in his life where only more of the drug will offer the sedation that keeps his biochemical thermostat in condition. This is a medical fact. The sedative drug of alcohol, which all of you, eight out of every nine of you, can ingest with little harm, is the drug that the alcoholic system needs more of in order to function at all. It is a drug, an addicting drug, and merely because some strange quirk of fate has not provided you with the system that does not tolerate it, is, I am sorry, no reason for those of you to judge us because our system does not tolerate it. I submit that is medieval in this last gasp of the 20th century. They are now breeding alcoholic mice in such separate places as Finland and the University of Colorado. Dr. Roger Williams of the University of Texas 
says that after 25 years of intensive study with chronic alcoholics, he is convinced the problem is largely genetic in origin. That alcoholics in large part, that perhaps even in 67% of all the alcoholics in this country have a genetic problem. I quote once more, certain peoples are prone to alcoholism. The northern water peoples, the Irish, the Scottish, the Welsh, the British, here, Sweden, which has one of the lowest rates of alcohol consumption in the world, suffers from a bigger alcoholism problem than most countries. Lower consumption per capita. Those of us who are suffering, those of us who are dead, those of us who are insane from my disease may very well have never consumed in our lifetimes as much as you consume on a regular basis. The Mediterranean peoples, the Greeks, the Jews, the Arabs, not prone to alcoholism. Not for nothing is this called the Irish virus. Alcoholics are treatable patients because their illness is a chronic disorder with tendency toward relapse. It should be approached in much the same manner as our other chronic and relapsing medical conditions. I quote the American Medical Association. I further quote, the aim of treatment is then viewed more as one of control than of cure. Abstinence is sought as a primary objective, but additional considerations such as improved social or occupational adjustments may be far better guides in evaluating the success or failure of a treatment effort. Temporary relapse with return to drinking, then, should not be equated with failure any more than should the diabetic's occasional discontinuation of his diet or his insulin. A diabetic goes off his diet. He is not a failure. He is not a moral leper. A person with the disease of alcoholism has a relapse. He is no good. That any person in our civilized society is in jail tonight merely because he is intoxicated is unthinkable. Someone in this town tonight will die of alcoholism. But it will not be called that. In my hometown of Illinois, nice people did not die of cancer. One of my mother's sisters died of cancer and my mother's family. Believe me, I say this with all the understanding and compassion in the world, we are taught what we are taught by people who were taught what they were taught by people who were taught. 
And my mother's family wanted the doctor to change the thing on the death certificate because people in our family do not die of cancer. That's within my lifetime. Nice people do not die of alcoholism. An heiress to one of the greatest fortunes on the West Coast is recently dead in the chic hospital in my town of malnutrition. Malnutrition. With 70% of the stock in one of the largest companies in America. And I was taken into her room when she was in an alcoholic coma. And the nurse pulled back the covers. And the woman's body was like your nightly TV tidbit from Biafra. Alcoholic coma. But her family does not die of alcoholism. How could her husband be married to anyone who was less than Caesar's wife, above reproach. The pride of the family kills more alcoholics than you can possibly believe. Not our father, not our mother, not our Mary, not our Jim. And they are dead. Why do you think it's so hard for a person to say, I am an alcoholic? And I have to tell you that the day that I said it in Senate, and I say this in the house of God, was the most difficult day of my life. I do not relish this kind of spotlight. And to have the ABC camera, the big eye of CBS, and the crazy peacock of NBC all turn on as soon as the chairman of the committee says our next witness will be the actress Mercedes McCambridge and they all go on and that night on all of the news whose face was there not the experts who qualified far more than I it wouldn't have mattered what I said I could have spoken in Chinese what mattered was that the public could sit at home that night and say, oh, dirty, bad, shame. I'm under no illusions about that. And if there are those of you who came tonight to stare or to scorn, you might just as well have stayed home and read some new horrible magazine you might have picked up at the newsstand. You're not going to get it. My personal history is no more sordid than most of yours. This is the skeleton in my closet. Let's all go together out of here to your homes and let me see what's there before you judge me. I'm speaking from my heart, not so much for myself, it would be marvelous 
if everybody walked out of here approving of me. But if you don't, that's your problem. You take that home. I don't. But the reason I am speaking this way is because I don't think any alcoholic ever had. I will not, as a person with a disease, stand here and say, I And I think so long, and this is my opinion, so long as the alcoholic persists in that kind of approach to his fellow man, just so long will the stigma be attached to the disease of alcoholism. I walk tall with my disease. I don't want to live in a world where I can't walk tall as I am. There is a place for me in the divine order or I would not be here. My disease would have killed me as it has killed many people far more valuable than I in my profession. And we all know who they are. I have at home in my closet something that was given to me and something I treasure very dearly and it's the blue and white pinafore which was worn in the Wizard of Oz by the little girl on the yellow brick road. And where is she? Because she was ashamed. Did she willfully come to an end or did society do it to her why is it hard to admit one is an alcoholic I must ask you that because of the censure of society that's what makes it hard it is a family disease, it is a community disease, it is a national disease, it is a human disease. Forget pity. Keep compassion. Strive for understanding. And most of all, strive for those who are bigoted to the degree that their minds are closed about this disease. I have a friend who speaks very strongly about people with my disease and he says very often the rest of the family is pointing at the sick alcoholic who's vomiting in the corner so that the world won't notice that the rest of the family is wetting the rug in the middle of the floor. In one-to-one -one relationships, in family relationships, it's very often that the non-alcoholic members get their own inadequacies off the hook by pointing at the alcoholic. How can you expect me to do my day's work and get the kids off to school and go to the market and get the cleaning and the laundromat when Charlie comes home every Saturday night in the same condition? I wonder what that lady is 
offering Charlie that he should bother to come home at all. <laughs> and vice versa. And all the way down the line, no alcoholic becomes an alcoholic all by himself. Look at the people surrounding an alcoholic. For God's sake, don't keep it quiet because of your own pride or because some false evaluation you have about loving that person. Anger won't do it. Rage won't do it. You are singularly blessed here. I couldn't believe what Jody was telling me at dinner. You have facilities, agencies here that I believe are unique except in one or two instances in all of my experience throughout this country. You have a going concern here. I will tell you one thing. In Hollywood, a woman whose name would be known to all of you was sick still again one night. And she doesn't want anybody to know. And I'm the only person she will see. And it's always two o'clock in the morning. And I can't take anyone else. She doesn't want anybody else to know. So I take my dog. I don't like driving around in hills called Beverly at two o'clock in the morning or any place else alone. So my dog and I go. And it's, it's not hopeless because she is alive. For how long, I don't know. And one night she was really in very desperate shape and I was frightened and I asked her for the name of her doctor and I called him and he said he refused to have anything further to do with it. Her husband was in London. The maids had quit and she was alone in this glorious house in one of the most exclusive neighborhoods in the world on a very cold night with all the louvered windows open with her two-year-old child whom she was carrying around in her arms. And she was very drunk and was about to go into delirium treatment. And I'm the only person she will see, huh? So I called my doctor, who was in Palm Springs, and he referred me to the man who was filling in for him. And I couldn't reach him immediately, so I thought I must do something. She'll die on me. I cleaned the baby and changed the diapers and saw that the baby was in the crib. And I called the police and told them who I was and who this person was and they said, oh yeah, we know about her and I said, well, her is going to die tonight and I don't know what to do will you please come and let me take her to the hospital and they said, we can't do it and I said, well, what can I do and they said, get her outside somehow and let her lie in the street and put a blanket over her and come back in and call us. Then we can come and arrest her as common drunk. Then we can take her to the drunk tank where she will be kept until morning and if they feel she is ill enough she can be taken to the locked ward at County General and if after three days of observation she is ill enough, she can be committed to the state hospital for the criminally insane. Nineteen seventy-one. In the small country of Hungary, Iron Curtain Country, one half of their total revenue from the sale of alcohol is for the treatment 
rehabilitation and research into the disease of alcoholism. I wish it were true that $300 million were allocated here in this country. It is grossly untrue. The funds have never been allocated. There is no money from the passage of the bill. The bill is passed. It is not implemented. In Maryland, there is a marvelous law. A person cannot be arrested and thrown into jail for being an alcoholic. That's the law. But there is no place to take them because there is no money. Over and over and over again across the country this happens. And I cannot believe, blessed as you are with having been born and bred in surely one of the most beautiful sections of our land, I cannot believe that God so favored you that none of you have alcoholic bodies. I don't believe that. So it's here. And what happens to it is like everything else in a democratic structure, the business of the people. If the non-alcoholic society can live with that guilt on its conscience, I don't understand it. The alcoholic is sick. The society which condemns him and ignores him and lets him die is sick. Thank you for asking me here.